time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, go ahead and grab a seat. Grab a seat. Jesus, we love you this morning. God, we thank you for what you have done in our hearts, God. We thank you for 26 people that gave their life to Jesus on Friday night. God, we thank you on Saturday morning for the people that were set free and delivered, God. God, we thank you, Lord Jesus, last night as you called us to build a 24-hour prayer house and build the house of prayer in the very center of everything we do. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing in us. God, now we pray this morning that you would empower us, Lord, that as we prepare to go, that we would not leave in our own unction, but that we would be that we would leave in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would not leave based upon our own merit, our own grit, our own determination, but, Father, that we would be truly Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered disciples of Jesus. We pray that you would help us. Amen? One of the things I've noticed about you guys is that you love to win. Each one of you love to win. If it's an 80s dance-off, you love to win. If it's a costume, uh, costume contest, you love to win. If it's ultimate frisbee, if it's basketball, you love to win. If it's uh, running through the woods with a rope tied around you, you love to win. In fact, one of the one of the the, the desire that causes us to want to be strategic, that causes us to want to be diligent, that what causes us to want to be fast, that causes us to want to be strong, deep down within each one of you is this desire to win, a desire for victory. And so I've noticed it among you. I, I see it in our, our youth pastors at an unbelievable level, especially Tyrell on the football field. I see it on the basketball court. I see it all the time. I see in you, in DLA, in the furnace, in the youth pastors, in grown-ups, old people in their 30s. I, I, I see this desire to win. You have within you a desire to win. In fact, you love to win. I love to win. You love to win. More than just sports. Yeah, we like to win at sports, but sports is a kind of a, a small subset of the reality that in our lives we love to win. We don't want to fail. We, each one of us, if we're honest, the way that we act, we, we love to win. We don't want to bomb. We don't want to look at our lives and end up falling short of the fullness of what God has called us to. Now, how you define winning, that's where it gets to be strategic. That's where people kind of get kind of different ideas as to what it means to win, but inherent within you is this desire to win. And, and I want to tell you this morning that this desire to win is not something that goes against Christ. In fact, I would say we see it in Jesus. In Jesus, we see the ultimate victor. In Jesus, we see the one who forever defeated sin and Satan. In Jesus, we find the one who rules and reigns forever and ever. And you have within you a desire to be victorious, to win. And you don't have to segment that away and press that aside. It's a part of you. It's a part of who you are. 
In fact, not only is it in Jesus and we see it in Jesus, but then Jesus actually calls his disciples to win. So Jesus personifies what he wants them to live like and what he wants them to be like. And then in Matthew 28, he says, okay, now you go, you 12, you guys, you young men, go into all the world, preach the gospel. I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of every tongue, tribe, and nation. I want you to go and I want you to baptize people. I want you to bring people in to this kingdom. I'm the king. Jesus says, I'm the king. You guys are the heralders. I've downgraded, downloaded for three years into you who I am. And now I want you to go into all the world. That's a pretty significant victory if they're able to go into all the world. I mean, we're talking about a band of fishermen, tax co- former fishermen, former tax collectors going into all the world and spreading the good news of one man who came, lived perfectly, died on a cross, rose from the dead, hung out with them for 40 days and then ascended to heaven. And he says, I desire that you guys would be world changers. He looks at them and he says, I want you to win. I want you to be victorious. In fact, then in Acts chapter 1, we read Jesus then, right before he ascends into heaven, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses into all the world, into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You guys, yes, you, you, are, you are my heralders. You're the ones that are going to go do it. And the truth is, is that we see the calling to win, the desire, we each of us know that if we're honest, in here we have a desire to be victorious, we have a desire to win, and now let's take that desire and let's talk about when it comes to what Jesus has called you to do with your life. How do you win? How do you go out and say, all right, of course, I, I, I want to love God, I want passion for Jesus. John 17, Jesus prays that you would have passion for Jesus. The first commandment, Matthew 22, that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, That is passion for God. He wants you to have that. Jesus prays that it's going to happen. Jesus, actually, we see that when we read all about intercession, there ends up a praying church. When you read through and we read into Revelation, actually, at the end of Revelation, the church ends up crying out, come, Lord Jesus, come. The church actually ends up victorious, not only in passion, but in intercession as well. We end up a praying church. And so you may look at the church today. You may look at your own life and you may say, man, I don't know if I have much hope, but the truth is is that the way that things end up if you finish the book we end up a passionate church we end up a praying church actually in ephesians 5 we read that that one day we will be without spot or wrinkle a holy church radiant is the way that's described actually in revelation 19 it describes that we'll end up holy radiant So you may look at the church today and say, hey, I don't know that it's very holy. I don't know that it's very set apart to Jesus. Seems like it looks a lot like the world today. And you may look at the church and say, hey, it doesn't look like there's a lot of prayer going on. And you may look at the church and say, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of passion for God. But I'll tell you this. If you read the scriptures, the way that the church concludes, Ephesians 5, we end up holy. Revelation, we end up a praying church. John 17, Jesus prays. That people would love him the way that the Father loves him. You can guarantee Jesus' prayers end up answered. I promise you the way that this thing ends up is a passionate church, a praying church, a holy church. And we're on mission. That's our fourth one. We're going to leave here on mission. And you can end up a victorious missionary. Every single one of us are missionary. Now, I know in our vernacular today, we think mostly in, when you hear the word missionary, you think fundamentally of people that go on airplanes and go overseas and go to a culture where they are not from. But the truth is, 
is that a missionary is everybody that goes into the world, whatever world, the world of Palmer, the world of Lewis Palmer, the world of Pine Creek, the world of wherever you go to school, every single one of you, if you've said yes to Jesus, you are a missionary. You are one that is taking the good news of Jesus to your world. You're on Jesus' mission to fulfill what he's called you to fulfill. You're doing the work of Jesus Christ today. That's what the church is doing today, and you are the church. So you said yes to Jesus. I mean, the other night, however long ago that was, seems like a week ago, but Friday night, Many of you said yes, and then I said, and so 26 of you gave your life to Jesus, and then there was a bunch of you out here. I said, how many of you are saved? The majority of you said, I'm already on mission for Jesus. I'm already committed to Jesus. So we got a lot of people that said yes to Jesus. We got a lot of people in this room that have already said, I'm I'm a Christ follower, so you're on mission with Jesus. So what I want to talk about this morning is this. If we're on mission for Jesus, How do we successfully carry out the work that Jesus has called us to do? How do we go do what Jesus has called you to do? Every one of you. My answer this morning is the way that you are empowered in his presence to do ministry is the work of the Holy Spirit. You can't do this just because you're committed. You can do a lot of things out of commitment. You've watched a lot of Nike sports ads. You've heard a lot of people talk about, you can do it. But you cannot accomplish what Jesus has called you to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. We read about this actually about Jesus and Jesus did ministry and Jesus was born. Jesus lived for 30 years perfectly without sin. And then when he's 30 years old, you know the story, Matthew chapter three, it's the story of Jesus baptism. And in Jesus baptism, Matthew chapter three, literally the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus and Jesus then is led by the Holy Spirit, Matthew four into the wilderness And Jesus is there, comes back, and immediately after 40 days in the wilderness, Jesus begins his ministry. So, what's the unique factor that launches Jesus into ministry? Do you remember what it was? It is the Holy Spirit comes on him in power. So the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. So the way that Jesus is anointed for ministry, to go do the good work of the kingdom of God, the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. Three years go by, and as we look at the life of Jesus, we see examples of proclamation of preaching the gospel. Jesus preaches. Jesus was a preacher. Jesus was a heralder. Jesus was a healer. Jesus healed people. Jesus was filled with humility. Jesus personified humility. He was the exact representation. It says that he was humble and he was meek of heart. Jesus walked in humility. Jesus loved people. Jesus possessed compassion. Jesus communed with the Father. Jesus is our example of how we want to do ministry. If you want to know how to do ministry, you don't have to read hundreds and hundreds of books. You can look right at the life of Jesus. Holy Spirit empowers Jesus to do ministry. And then Jesus does an interesting thing. In John 16, he looks at his disciples and says, Now, it's better for you that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come on you. That's wild. God on the earth, hanging out with his friends. And then he says, it's actually better for you that I go away. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. 
John 14 says you guys are going to do even greater things. In mass, you're going to be surprised the way that the world has changed through you, boys. Yeah, Matthew, put your money down and listen. Yeah, James, John, half of you thought I was talking to a DLA, Matthew. No, anyway. Listen, guys, you need the Holy Spirit on you. So the Holy Spirit comes on you guys, and it's better for you that I go. So if we keep reading Acts 1, you know the story. Jesus then dies on the cross. Three days later, Jesus raises from the dead. Then Jesus hangs out with his disciples. And after 40 days, Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. Verse uh, 4, Acts chapter 1. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He says, guys, I've been talking about the Holy Spirit. Do not go do the take the world thing without the gift I promised. You know what? There's a lot of people today. We want to go, oh yeah, I sang the songs. I heard the verse. I love God. Let's go do the stuff. As for the Holy Spirit thing, I'm not so sure. Kind of freaks me out a little bit. So I want to go try to do my calling based upon the knowledge in my head and the determination in my heart. But you've got no power on the inside. You cannot in your own flesh go accomplish these things that God has called you to do. The first night that we would go out and be disciples of Jesus, you cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Go out and live victoriously like Tyrell talked about. Free from demonic oppression. You cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. That you would go out and lead in prayer. That you would be a person of prayer. You cannot do it in your own determination. You need them. In fact, Jesus had the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then, Acts chapter 2, you know the story. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a loud... I love that. Suddenly, a... Oh, it doesn't say that. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of the violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were, re- where they were wrestling. I mean, where they were sitting. They saw, them, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Holy Spirit comes in power. There's about 120 hanging out, upper room. And Jesus comes. He tells them, guys... I'm going to tell you to go take the world, but you've got to wait. You've got to wait for a gift. The Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, wait, don't go. Wait, got to get the gift. You've got to get empowered by the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, Holy Spirit comes in power. 120 people hanging out. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. Our church needs the Holy Spirit. Church of Jesus Christ today needs the Holy Spirit. And one of the things that sickens me is sometimes I feel like we walk around and we treat the message of the gospel, the fullness of the Holy Spirit, kind of like we would order off of a menu. Kind of go, yeah. The way that you would, let's say you're ordering a burger and you're like, I'll take the burger, but hold the onions. 
hold the tomatoes. I don't really like that, so I don't really want that part of it, but I still like the burger. Half the time I hear people go, yeah, I really love Jesus. Hold the Holy Spirit. Hold some of the gifts. Not sure I really understand all that. I've been abused or hurt a little bit, so I'm therefore going to use that as my reason not to pursue it. But we don't get the luxury of being unempowered, weak, spineless, weenie Christians without the Holy Spirit. We're called to reach the world. We're called to do the supernatural. We're called to live like we're from another age, like we're from another world. You don't get to say that. You don't get to pick that. You need the Holy Spirit to accomplish the mission that Jesus has called you to. Nobody likes to be called to a mission and not have the goods to get the job done. If you decide, hey, I want to be an NBA basketball player and that's my mission, but you can't make a layup or a free throw, you're not going to feel good about your mission one day and you'll give up. If you can't make a layup, can't make a free throw, you can't hit a jump shot, and you're like, dude, I'm, I'm the next Kobe, people will be like, no, you're not, bro. If you say, no, but I'm really determined. I'm really determined. But you just don't have the goods. Maybe you're just, you just don't have the talent. Maybe you never reached four foot two. You just, it's just not going to happen. You just don't have the goods. You will not accomplish the mission that God has called you to do if you don't have the goods. If you don't have the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, my team, we had lot. my team, my, uh, my Titan team, we were excited to win. You know what happens, though? Two, two uh, little walk-around-in-a-rope events in, our little GPS broke. And in that moment, we go, you know what? <laughs> we don't have the goods to win. This is a GPS game, right? You know what happens to the heart? When you don't have what it takes, I mean, we just don't have the, the goods on what it's going to take to win, you get discouraged. And you end up punting. Forget it. Forget it. Half the Christians I know, they go, forget it. Man, when I was, there was a day where I thought that God had called me into this venue and to do this thing. But you know what? I'm kind of nervous about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. As long as I can just read historically, but I don't have to talk about the present tense, God inside of me, working inside of me, transforming me, causing me to pray, causing me to be holy, causing me to take risks, causing me to live different than, than the average American consumer. Well, I'm just going to punt on my calling. Discouraged. The reason they get discouraged is they don't have the goods. They haven't, it's not them. It's Christ in them, the hope of glory. It's God inside of them, the Holy Spirit. God at work today, the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. You have a goal. By God's grace, you have a goal to reach your friends with the good news of Jesus. By the grace of God, it doesn't end here. By the grace of God, this is not the ending that you would come up here and have a good weekend away to kind of realign your life. Puke. This is not realigning your life for your sake. 
This is because he's worthy and because that every tongue, tribe, and nation, as many as possible, would declare around the throne to him who sits on the throne and under the Lamb, be blessing, glory, and honor, and power. Because he's worthy, you have a mission. You have a calling. You have giftings. And you need the Holy Spirit to get the job done. To get the job done, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit when you're 20. You need the Holy Spirit when you're 30. You need the Holy Spirit when you're 50. You need the Holy Spirit when you're 90. And, and I just want you to know that this is the most exciting ride. This is the most exciting journey to jump on. I consider it the most boring, dull, pathetic life to choose to go the other way. Tell you what, let me go the unique way of being a consumer that lives for myself, that tries to have the big house, the boat, the big car, and fame. Nobody else in my country is trying to do that. That is the broad road. And that is the road that leads to death. You want life? The Holy Spirit is what grants you life. And you choose the narrow way. And you will go against that culture. And you will need the power of the Holy Spirit to go against that culture. But it can be done. There are many that are victorious walking in the power of the Holy Spirit on this day, today. And 120, 120 in the upper room. Well, let's go even further back. That's pretty good, 120 compared to when Jesus talked to 12. They already had a little bit of momentum going by the time we get to Pentecost. They added some ladies, they added some kids, they added some friends, Matthias, a couple other guys. So 12, 120, you want to talk about winning? Oh, imagine if you could pull back and see the macro picture of the church of Jesus Christ over the last 2,000 years. Let me just imagine, Hebrews 12 says that there's a great cloud of witnesses leaning over the balcony of heaven watching us. Imagine, you know, Elijah... Moses and Elijah kind of hang out, I think, because we kind of see that Matthew 17, Mount of Transfiguration, they come and they hang out with Jesus. I think they're friends up there. I don't know. But based upon what I see, it seems like they're buds. So imagine Moses and Elijah, they're hanging out. We'll call them the great cloud of witnesses. Let's imagine these two are having conversation, leaning over the balcony of heaven, watching, watching. Jesus has already come. Jesus has already breathed on the, on the disciples, said, go in my power. Then the Holy Spirit comes on the church. Acts chapter 2. And wait a minute, Moses looks at Elijah and goes, dude, who is that standing up to preach? Bro, that's Peter. No, dude, he's our worst guy. Dude, he just refused that he knew Jesus to some girls around a fire, man. No, 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 Holy Spirit came on him. What? No, the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter, just touched him in power. So what do you mean, bro? I think he's going to do a good job. I believe the Holy Spirit's powerful, but remember, that's Peter. Like, remember, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> you think he's going to become the bold prophetic witness? I really think he will. All right, let's watch. Peter preaches the gospel, and 3,000 are added to their number that day. Elijah's like, I guess you called it. <laughs> Not bad. Dude, what's that? That guy's name's Nero. Well, what's he doing? He wants to crush the church. Is that Rome on fire? Yeah, that's Rome on fire. 
वो वाई सी लाइटिंग क्रिश्चन ऑन फायर हीज ब्लेमिंग द क्रिश्चन्स वेल दे लाइट द प्लेस ऑन फायर आई मीन क्रिश्चन लव फायर नो नो Elijah just wants to stamp out Christianity. Well, you think he's got a shot? I mean, 3000 plus 120, we got 3120. What do you think? Doubt it. You think the little church will survive? I think so. Hey, where's Jesus going? He's going to go talk to John. Why? He's going to go tell him about how the end-time church is going to be successful. Really? Why is he using so many metaphors? Uh, John's on an island. Likes it. He just needs some metaphors. He needs a friend right now. Does <laughs> Jesus really have a sword in his mouth? I think so. I think. I think. I think. What, what, what's with the white hair thing? Oh, that's just, dude. Jesus is on a white hair thing right now. Just, what? What's he saying? Listen, they're going to call it Revelation. He's talking about the end time. He's talking about a church that will end up victorious. He's telling John not to lose heart. He's telling John, they're going to put it in the Bible. What's the Bible? What's the scriptures? Rock on, dude. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. What are they doing to Polycarp? Or they're persecuting him. They're going to burn him at the stake unless he says Caesar is Lord. What? He's going to, you know, most of those disciples got like tortured and stuff. Yep. Listen, I want to hear Polycarp. What's he going to say? Is he going to give up? 86 years I have served Jesus, and he never did me any wrong. How can I blaspheme my king who saved me? Dude, I love that guy, Polycarp, dude. He rocks. Yeah, he's awesome. Polycarp rocks. Dude, thousand years. Church is growing like crazy. Shut up, Elijah. What? Of course it's growing. Did you hear what Jesus said? He, he said that they would. Well, yeah, I'm just, dude, I'm just trying to be positive. Jesus is right. Yeah, look, there's Bernard of Clairvaux. I love, the, I love the saints. You love, I do too, why? Dude, they're always praying and they're so godly and holy. Man, that's, mm. Dude, what is that? Oh, it's the 1400s now. They're putting an organ in church. Oh. An organ? That's like so progressive. I don't know. That's, that's kind of taking the trends of the world and putting them in the church. I don't know. It's kind of edgy. Oh, bro. Just wait for John Egan one day. He's coming in 700 years. What's that? Oh, that's a printing press. What's, what are you going to do that? Dude, they're going to print the Bible over and over and over again. Like how much? Bestseller ever. Rock on. Dude, who's the guy with the nail and the hammer? That's Martin Luther. What's he doing? Well, he's just going to shake things up a bit. Wants people to understand easy access to God. I like that dude. He's for real intense. Yeah, he is. Who are those guys? Those are Moravians. Why are they praying all the time? Because they know it's the key to a move of God? Man, I love those guys. Where are they going? Around the world. Why? Come and they answer their own prayers. Whoa, who's that guy? Well, that guy's name is Whitfield. Dude, he's loud. Yeah, he's a preacher. He preaches to thousands in the open fields. What? Open fields? 
Not just in churches anymore? Uh Uh-uh. Fields. Whoa. Yeah, just wait. Wait. In the 2000s, Christians are going to start to assemble in football stadiums. What's football? We'll get to that later. Yeah. Later on, Americans are going to start to gather in huge football stadiums. Masses. Masses and worship and pray. God's going to... It's unbelievable. Who's that guy? Who, the short guy? Yeah, the little guy. Well, that's John Wesley. He's awesome. He preaches five times a day. Wow. That's awesome. Who's that guy? That's Billy Graham. Billy Graham. He's preaching to thousands. Yeah. Hey, is it just me or... It seemed like in the last 2,000 years, the church is getting pretty big. Well, you know, Jesus did say there'd be a victorious church. Jesus... He did guarantee victory. He did say that he would win. He did say that he would have a passionate church, praying church, holy church, radiant church, on mission, filled with the Holy Spirit to do the works of God. A couple thousand years later, guys, there's 101 million evangelicals. That's pretty good compared to where we were with 120. There's 2 billion people on the earth today that claim Christ. There's lots of churches, songs. We're on the move. We end up victorious. Revelation 19.6 says, Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the, like the roar of rushing waters, and like loud peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and His bride, His church has made herself ready, fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of the saints. They're going to be righteous. The church ends in righteousness. Oh, yeah, but I read books right now that says the church isn't righteous and we got major issues. Of course we do. We've had them for 2,000 years and we're not perfect, but we're marching on. We're moving forward. We end up righteous. We end up a praying church, Revelation 19. Then the angel said to me, right. Blessed are those who are are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, these are the true words of God. At this I fell at his feet to worship him. But he said to me, do not do it. I am a fellow servant with you and with your brothers. The testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I saw heaven standing open. And there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True. That's Jesus. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses. Did you get that? The armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Guess who that is? Sound familiar? It's us. Out of his mouth came a sword, a sharp sword. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword. (laughs) with which to take down nations he will rule them with an iron scepter he treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty on his robe and on his thigh he has the name King of Kings and Lord of Lords he is Jesus and he wins and his church stands with him he is the victorious one we gain strength because of who he is. It is not ultimately our victory. Ultimately, we have victory because we are associated with the ultimate victor. 
is Christ. He wins. He, he wins. Revelation 20, Satan is defeated forever. Thrown down. The ultimate kill the devil t-shirt. It's forever thrown down. And Jesus wins. And his church stands with him victorious. You're his church. You cannot do what he's called you to do in your lifetime with the 90 years that you have breath without the Holy Spirit. Jesus did ministry with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to wait on the Holy Spirit. The church has progressed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I need the Holy Spirit. You are called to be a witness, to be a disciple, to reach your world. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not an option for the person that wants to live on mission for the cause of Christ. You carry a piece of the victory of the church in this age, and you decide. You decide. You're going to fulfill it? Are you going to peter out, become a consumer American, living off the fat of the lamb, living for your stomach, living for your desire for fame? living for your desire to be wealthy, living for your hope that someone would call you cool, hoping for a life of comfort, sitting back in the lazy boy, watching the flat screen, eating bonbons, waiting to die. It leads to death. It leads to death. It leads to death. I have sat, I have sat and listened to extremely wealthy men In their 70s, I've listened to the rich and famous men who have succeeded in fame and wealth and comfort, and people know their name. They are business successes, or they are entertainment success. And by the world's eyes, they have accomplished. And when you listen, when you listen to the angst and the pain in their soul as they talk about life, they wasted it. They wasted it. Oh, they got all that the world had. They ended with treasures. They ended with big houses. They, they can end with yachts. They can end with the motorcycles. They can end with the big TV. They can end with whatever is the jet thing. Their entire, their entire wealth is written on human hearts, what they have done. And their treasures is not their boats, but their books. It's not their prestige. It's the power that they've walked in. It's not the wealth that they've accumulated on the earth. It's the treasures that they've obtained in the next life. When they talk, there's delight. They talk about the goodness of Jesus and a life well spent and a future hope to what they're looking forward to and a gratitude for the breath, the life that they had for their 80 years.
and for the peace of being Jesus' church that they got to do. Whatever they got to do. And I'm telling you, one way leads to life. One way leads to being a part of what Jesus is doing on the earth. One way is tapping into the power of a winning team who is Victor, who will win. He's not today a baby in a manger. He's not today a sweet-hearted little guy with his hair parted down the middle, smiling. He's got a sword coming out of his mouth. He rules with an iron scepter. He's going to destroy the enemy and his demons forever and ever. I'm not going to choose the demonic life, the demonic life of pursuing wealth and fame and prestige. We choose the way of the cross. Humility, power, passion for one man, the one who is worthy. I want to pray that you're filled with the Holy Spirit today. We stand with me. Nico, if you want to come on up here, I'd like to pray for any of you that... I'd like, I'd like everybody just to back up. Just go ahead and back up. Shh, don't say a word. Just shh. Just back up. Don't talk. Just back up. I don't know all the ways that the Holy Spirit will come on you. For some of you, there will be evidence of wisdom that comes into your life. Some of you gifts of knowledge. Some of you gifts of faith. Some of you gifts of healing. Some of you gifts of miracles. Some of you gifts of prophecy. Some of you gifts of discerning of spirits. Some of you the gift of tongues. Some of you interpretation of tongues. Some of you the gifts of administration. Some of you the gift of helps. Some of you the Holy Spirit will come on you and you'll, you'll just begin to groan and be able to pray like you've never prayed. Some of you, the Holy Spirit will come on you and, you and you will find yourself having an encounter with God that is just purifying, like you're sanctified and set apart. Some of you, the love of God will suddenly become real to you. And it will not be merely a t-shirt or an idea that a preacher said, but it will be your story. The love of God shed abroad in your heart. Some of you, some of you just being filled with the Holy Spirit today will give you the victory over the sins that we prayed for on Saturday morning. But no matter what, I beg of you not to sit back. I beg of you not to go the way of death. Choose life today. Choose the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This isn't a one-time thing. It's not a one-time. No, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. God, I want the fullness of... I don't want to say I want the Jesus gig, but I don't want the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I'll take this gift, not this gift, that gift, not this gift, because I want to do what I want to do in Jesus' name. Wrong. I want to do what Jesus wants me to do in Jesus' name, filled with the power that he has ordained to give me to accomplish his mission for my life. So this morning... This morning, if we as a united DSM family could just ask for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, some of these gifts will come alive for the very first time. 
he wants to give them. If that's you, I want you to just squeeze in as tight as you can up here. Stretch out your hands just like this. And I just want to pray for us to have an indwelling, an outpouring, and an overflowing encounter with the Holy Spirit. Father, as you sent the Holy Spirit to touch your church in Acts chapter 2 to empower them for ministry, to continue the work of Jesus, building Jesus' church on the earth, I ask right now, as the pastor of DSM on behalf of, of all of my friends, touch your people, God. Holy Spirit, come. I pray that you would baptize us in the fullness of your power. I pray for the love of God, the spirit of God, the power of God to come upon us. We need the power of God to accomplish what you've called us to. You've called us. You'll equip us. Equip us with the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray. I know you're tired, but I want you right now, I want you to just say, Holy Spirit, fill me up. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me with your power. Fill me with your gifts. Show me the gifts you've given me. Let them come alive in me. I pray for the gift of prophecy. I pray for the gift of wisdom. I pray for the gift of knowledge. I pray for the gift of faith. I pray for the gift of healing. I pray for the gift of miracles. I pray for the gift of discerning spirits. I pray for the gift of tongues. I pray for the gift of interpreting tongues. I pray for the gift of administration. I pray for the gift of helps. Whatever gift you want to give me, God, I want all of them. Give me what you'll give me. Holy Spirit, touch me. Fill me with power. I will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on me. And I will be a witness to my world. I will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on me. And I will be a witness to my world. Touch me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Give me all the fullness more of your power, more of your fruit, more love. I want all that you'll give. Now, it's just for a minute here. I just want you just to keep your, your, hand, your hands open like this. And I just want us just to take a minute. We're just going to wait on the Lord. 
And I'd like you, just you, to begin to pray out loud to God whatever is in your heart. Right now, God's working inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you. And just whatever it is, just pray out loud to God. You're an intercessor. You're a woman of prayer. You're a man of prayer. Just begin to pray. young men pray for the Holy Spirit come on young man you want to make a difference for the kingdom of God young man I don't care how cool you are what talents you have you need the Holy Spirit come on young man who are you going to be young man who are you going to be? Who are you going to be? Which way are you going to choose, young man? We're coming after you, God. We're coming after you. Fill us with your spirit this morning, oh God. We want all of you. Baptize us. Immerse us. Fill us, oh God. Fill us with your power. Fill us with your spirit. Anoint us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. Because he has anointed us to preach good news to the poor. To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for those in captivity to sin. Touch your people, God. Come on, keep praying. We want more of you, God. More of your spirit, God. More of your power. Who is like you? Come on, Jesus, come. Jesus, send your spirit. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Holy Spirit, we are your people. Holy Spirit, we're a spirit-empowered people. Holy Spirit, have your way, we pray. Do what you will, God. Touch your people, oh God. Touch your spirit. Spirit of God. Fire, fall down. Fire in the heart. Revelation. Prophets. Declarers. Spirit of the Lord is upon you. Holy Spirit is in you. Come Holy Spirit. I pray Lord Jesus for the gifts of the Holy Spirit today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with power. That we would be equipped to do what you've called us to do in our city. That you would call the preachers to proclaim on our campuses. The prophets to prophesy 
every gift. We want the fullness in DSM. God, we are a church that wants every gift you'll give so that we can do what you called us to do. Earlier, one of the young men felt like the Lord gave him a prophetic word, felt like he got a vision. Teenager here, a teenager, there's a wall. It's easy, it's easy to not go through the doorway, but just to be comfortable behind the wall. I think it's a perfect picture. It's easy, broad road to just stop. But God is calling you. Find the middle, find the narrow way. Go, go past the comfort zone. Go past. And guys, the truth is, being filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to where we take risks like Jesus took risks. I mean, Jesus did some pretty amazing things. The apostles, they did some pretty amazing things. The church throughout history has done some pretty amazing things. And the way of the herd being hoarded like an average person that lives for their fame and their stomach and their comfort, that's the broad road and it's very easy. Choosing to let Christ inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you, give you the strength to take risk day after day, to yet again pull your hands out of your pockets and believe for healing to yet yet again look at the person who has rejected God and blasphemed God and mocked God and look at them and yet again say here I stand he is true and I want to tell you who my God is to yet again have mercy for the poor when you feel like buying a bigger batter car or iPod and yet voluntarily give to the hurting to choose to be a part of a community of people, imperfect as it might be. To congregate, and instead of saying, well, I don't like the church because of A, B, and C. That's a fool's response to Jesus. Jesus said that he would build his church. Jesus said that his church would be without spot or wrinkle. Jesus calls us to walk united, loving one another, serving each other. We need each other and we're called to each other to advance his kingdom. So stand with the church and help it. Don't be a critic. I want to encourage you to choose the Holy Spirit each day. In this moment, and I love this moment. I love this moment. But I've had these moments before. In fact, I've been around these moments for the last 15 years. I'm honest. And those 15 years have only guaranteed me that what I say, I believe more and more. You cannot do this 
out of your own will. Determine. You must surrender your heart. Say, I voluntarily, I need God to help me. I cannot be this on my own just because I'm zealous and young and passionate and cool. One day you won't be as cool. One day you'll be surprised. You won't look as good. And you need God. It takes God to sustain down through the decades. Aggressiveness with prophesying, preaching, praying, serving, blessing, witnessing, giving. So I'd like to give one last united prayer and then Nico's going to lead us in a song. But if you are today, as we leave Coram Deo, the presence of God, if you are leaving here, standing with this as your confession, I want the fullness, not pick and choose. God, I like this gift, but not that gift. Please, God, can you give me the gift of prophecy? Because that's cool. But uh, as for the gift of helps, I don't like to help. So I don't want that one. No, that's not where you want to be. Where you want to be is God. Give me everything you'll give me. I'll take it all. Whatever it is, it's about you and not me. If your confession is, I'll take the fullness of the Holy Spirit, whatever God will give, I'll take. Lift your hands with me for one final prayer and we'll worship. God, here's a willing army. Average, broken, prone to weakness prone to make dumb mistakes but yet again willing would you take this willing army would you transform campuses yes, would you transform cities yes, would you transform nations oh yes, God. God would you use these willing ones to make a measurable impact in our generation yes, God. I pray Lord that decades from now they would stand with the confession. Jesus is my Lord. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, accomplishing His work on His planet, eager for the day that He returns. We love you and we give you our lives. And everybody said amen. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm starting by a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their stools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. They've got a vision and a mission for their life.